Amen. He's a faithful God, isn't he? Hey, just as we were praying before, I know Kathy whispered in my ear, she, she felt like she had a word of knowledge that perhaps there were some people looking for employment this morning. And so we're going to pray for employment and believe for some miracles there. So Lord, we just thank you this morning that you are the God that provides. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Lord. We thank you this morning for anybody seeking jobs, Lord God, seeking employment, seeking upgrades in their working environment. Lord Jesus, I pray for miracles to flow. I pray for interviews and opportunities, Lord God, that would go far above what we could ask, think or imagine, Lord Jesus, that you would put people in rooms and opportunities and offices and places of prominence and position, Lord God, in workplaces that would just blow their mind. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do the heavy lifting of that, Lord God. You would do the hard work and you would get those people in the room and the opportunities there, Lord Jesus. And I pray that employment would flow. We thank you for favour in it, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it's powerful. It's effective, Lord God. It brings transformation and change to our lives. And we pray that this morning that it would do those very things in our heart and in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. You look fantastic. Turn to the person on your left and tell them they look incredibly good looking. Give them a wink if you want to. Depends who you're sitting next to. Well, I can see a kiss in the, in the third row there. It was really getting exciting, that one. I love it. Well, welcome to church this morning. It's great to, uh, to have you here at church on a Sunday morning. And I just love the body of Christ. I love the people of God. I love the household of faith. I love the family of God that we get to do life together. And life's so much more than just a service on a Sunday um, as believers and as the family of God. It's doing life together. And I want to continue to encourage you to continue to do life with one another in connect groups and one-on-one chats and services on Sunday in every way that we can. What an opportunity we have to do life together as a family and understanding we are the family of God and we all go through ups and downs and seasons of life. But together, life is much more uh, valuable. Together, life is much more um, of... I guess it's it's a journey because we have one another to be able to support and encourage each other through the highs and lows. And uh, you know what? You don't want to do life alone. You want to do life together. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning. And that's for free this morning. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Let's continue to be that kind of church. But this morning, I want to speak to you um, about doubt. And I want to ask you this morning to take the spiritual veneer off this morning. And I want to ask you the question, have you ever doubted God? Have you ever doubted your faith? Have you perhaps ever doubted, did the resurrection really take place? Maybe you've seen things that have happened in our world and you've thought there's so much tragedy and chaos, there's so many bad things that are happening or have happened And it's hard to understand when we look at the world today, we say, why does bad things happen to good people? And we can find ourselves in this valley of doubt, not understanding, or maybe you've prayed for a miracle, a family member or a friend, and you prayed faithfully, you believed God for that miracle, and it didn't happen. And it it caused a layer of doubt to form in your heart. 
and you wondered, is this real? Is God real? Is these things that we believe real? Perhaps you've thought about people that you know that have different religious beliefs and you've asked yourself the question, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Is he the only exclusive way that is the truth and the way to heaven? Because I know other good people of other faiths that perhaps they believe something completely different and they've grown up in another place in the world and they, they have just got a different understanding of faith and, and it's caused you to doubt and to question. Perhaps there's things in the Bible that you've read and you don't understand it. And because you don't understand it, it's made you question, is it valid? Is it real? And sometimes the Bible can be a paradox of things. We look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and we can kind of get confused about things and we can question Jesus. Or maybe you thought about death and you thought to yourself, well, when it comes to death, is everything that I have believed, is it true? Because no one's apart from Jesus has gone through death before and come back and let us know. And so you're thinking, so I don't have experience in this. Is everything that I've believed in my life, is it true? Because when I'm on my deathbed, when that moment happens, there's a sense of perhaps fear or dread or worry about what is this doorway going to look like into the next? And it can cause doubt and fear. Have I got you this morning? And I think if we take the spiritual veneer off and we allow ourselves to be human this morning and to be real with one another, I think we've all had doubts. We've all had moments of doubt, moments where we've questioned, moments where we've felt unsure. In fact, we need to understand this morning this simple truth. Doubt is not the end of faith. It's a part of faith. Doubt is not the end of faith. It's a part of faith. And we can find ourselves at times feeling like these doubts can consume us. But can I explain to you this morning that doubt is evidence that you actually have faith. Because if you knew it for certain, for sure, if it was 100% provable in all these ways, you wouldn't need faith. The very fact that you do have doubts and moments of weakness is actually a sign that you do have faith, that you are believing, that you aren't doing it in your own strength. I believe a healthy church environment is a place where people can explore their doubts and not be condemned for their doubt. It shouldn't be a place where you are shamed for your doubt, where you can't say, hey, I'm struggling with this right now. I have questions about this. I need to understand things about this that I don't, I don't quite uh, am able to grasp right now in my mind. And this should be a place where we go on a journey together and we can grow in our faith. Do you know a place where you can't question your beliefs? That's called a cult. The church is a place where you can question truth. The church is a place where you can come to Jesus and say, God, I trust in you, but there's things I don't understand. One of the things that is so rife in our world today and even in the, in the Christian world is uh, spiritual deconstruction. 
And I'm not sure whether you understand that word this morning, but it really is an understanding of people that are evaluating their faith. There are people that are leaving Christianity because they have a whole bunch of doubts. They're unsure about things and they feel like if I've got any doubt at all, I just have to leave the whole thing behind. And spiritual deconstruction in itself is not a bad thing because it's, an, it's, it's actually evaluating what you believe. It's knowing what you believe. It's actually studying it and looking at it and, and looking for truth. But unfortunately, I think what we do sometimes is we doubt our beliefs, but we never doubt our doubts. We never allow ourselves to look at it with a clear picture and say, God, I want to I find truth in all of this. I want to seek the truth about Jesus. We can come in with our preconceived ideas and we think because we've got a few doubts about things that everything needs to be thrown out. And so we see people with spiritual deconstruction and they're, they're throwing everything out. They're throwing all, all, all things out that people believe at church, or church traditions and different things. And I think it's great to give um, our beliefs a shake up every now and again. But I think we need to give ourselves room to be able to, in a healthy way, deconstruct, evaluate, go to God, ask for truth, go to the Word of God and study it and be able to understand what is God saying to us. Charles Spurgeon, he said it this way, he said, I, I do not believe there ever existed a Christian yet who did not now and then doubt his interest in Jesus. I think when a man says, I never doubt, it is quite time for us to doubt him. Because the truth is, even the disciples had moments of doubt. They had moments of fear. They had moments where they were unsure. Now, Jesus didn't shame them in those moments. Jesus drew them in. And so we're talking this morning about what do I do with doubt? What do I do with doubt? How do I respond to it? Because I look at the Bible and, as I said, it's a, it's a paradox at times where we do, we do have doubts and it's obvious that the disciples had doubts and they had fears and worries, but yet we are called to live this life of faith. It says in Hebrews 11, in the great faith chapter of the Bible, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So there's evidence there that the life that we have in Jesus is a life of faith. We can't prove to anybody with all of the things that we can muster up that somebody must follow Jesus because of this, this, this and this. Yes, I'm sure there's evidence there and there's plenty of things that we can put in front of people. But you can't make anybody follow Jesus because of all of the facts. There will always be an element of faith to follow Jesus. That's the choice that Jesus has for us, that he works in the commodity of faith. It says here in verse 6 of this passage, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and then He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so faith, we see in this passage, by faith, Noah, by faith, we go through and we see all of the, the stories of these heroes. They lived in faith at sometimes not even seeing the miracles that they believed for happen in their lifetime. They were faith people. They believed. But I'm sure there was moments when Noah was constructing that ark where there was doubt. Where is the rain? Where is this happening? Because he didn't even understand what rain was. 
So there was, a, there was an element of doubt, I'm sure, at times, but yet he lived in faith. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For we live by faith and not by sight. You know, we look at the disciples and we can see Jesus' key team. And we can look at them there and the disciples, they doubted at the ascension of Jesus. Peter doubted uh, Jesus when he was, went to walk on the water and he began to sink. Thomas doubted the resurrection of Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times. The disciples hid after the crucifixion because they had doubt and fear. And there are many stories throughout all the Bible heroes of doubt and uncertainty. So let's have a look at Matthew 28. Just when Jesus was about to ascend... In that moment, he says in verse, it says in verse 16 of Matthew 28, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. This is a crazy moment. The next verse here is the Great Commission. Now here they are, they're seeing a resurrected Jesus. And we know the evidence that Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to over 500 people after he resurrected. And there's stories and, and we, we see the, the testimonies of that throughout the Gospels. But here they are, they have seen Jesus in the flesh, resurrected. Here he is ascending in front of them. They're worshipping him, him in one moment. And the next moment, some of these spiritual superstars that would go on most of them to be martyrs for their faith, in this moment, doubted. See, doubt is not a disqualification of your faith. It's an evidence of your faith. That at times you will have doubts and worries and fears. But we see these mighty men that doubted. Peter, who was doubting Jesus and denying him in one moment. Here he is on Pentecostal Sunday declaring the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. This mighty hero of the faith. But we know the story that there were moments where he doubted. They were martyred for their faith. Why would 12 men... Why would they die for a lie? But yet, at times, they had doubts and fears. Luke 24 tells the story where Jesus comes to his disciples after he resurrected before he went to heaven. It says in verse 36, while they were still talking about Jesus, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is in front of them. And I'm sure they were startled by that. But even Jesus asked that question, Why? He didn't condemn. He came with peace and he asked them, Why? And I think we all understand we have moments like that in our lives. I love Jesus. Jesus never forced anybody to follow him. He never got all the facts together and had an argument with somebody about this is why you have to do this and this and this. You know, Jesus is notorious for asking questions because he wants all of us to go on a journey of faith in him. He doesn't want to force anybody to believe anything. He wants us to experience Jesus and allow that transformation and the truth of him to be examined and for us to find our faith in him. In fact, we see Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus asks many more questions than he answers. 
To be precise, Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels. He has asked 183 times questions directly and he only answers three times. So asking questions was central to Jesus' life and teaching. He wanted people to go on a journey, so instead of just giving them all the details and the answers and the facts and the reason you have to do this, he would ask them a question back so that they would go on a journey. You know, some of the greatest discipleship you can do if you want to disciple someone is ask people questions. Ask them the question and let them go on the journey of faith to finding that answer. I know my old pastor in Singleton, I would ask him these theological questions and I would think that he was just going to give me a straight answer. And he would ask me to go away and find the answer and come back and present it to him. And I thought, that's not how it's meant to work. But what he was teaching me is to actually go on a journey of faith. Go and look what the scriptures say for myself so that I understand it. See, when faith is personal, it will be transformational. And when it's not, it will not transform. Truth is not afraid of being questioned. Go to the Word of God and allow truth to speak to you. So I want to look at our key text this morning, and it's in John chapter 20. If you want to come with me there in your Bibles or wherever you're following along on the screens, John chapter 20, verse 9. This is straight after Jesus has resurrected and he comes to his disciples. And we have the story here of what is called Doubting Thomas. And I think Thomas gets a bad rap, to be honest with you, because I think many of us in this story would have felt the, the sense that, that Thomas felt in this moment. John 20 verse 9 says that Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. The most unlucky guy in the world. I mean, you missed the party. You missed the big moment. Jesus resurrected in the flesh, hanging out with the disciples, and you missed it. I mean, what else did you have on, Thomas? This was a moment for you to be at. I mean, if there was anyone that had the fear of missing out or FOMO, this guy was living with it. He had major FOMO. He's missed out on the resurrected Jesus. It says in verse 25, they told him, we have seen the Lord. And actually, when you look at it in the Greek here, it explains it as something that they repeated many times. We have seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. He's like, it's not making his FOMO feel any better. You can imagine the frustration. It's like, good for you. You saw the Lord. Well done. I didn't. And he's frustrated. You can imagine in that moment, I've seen the Lord, I've seen the Lord. All the disciples are saying. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. 
But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Jesus doesn't need a door to get to you. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hands into the wounds in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now we fit into that category today. We are blessed because we believe in Jesus without seeing him in the flesh. And there's faith that's attached to that. So I want to look at the ways that Jesus responded to doubt. How did Jesus respond to doubt out of this passage? The first one is number one, Jesus brings his presence into our doubts. He brings his presence to our doubts. It says the doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. See, sometimes I feel like that's what happens when we doubt. We lock up. We lock up to relationship with God. We lock up to reading the Word of God. We, we lock up to all these things and we live in this locked door of cynicism, criticism, deconstruction. We see all the things that are wrong and we are locked in that place that we don't want to let Jesus in. But let me just tell you this, Jesus is there. He is there in your doubts. He is there when you don't understand. He is there to bring his presence. Even though they had the doors locked and there was fear and uncertainty and doubt, Jesus came right on in. God is not distant when you doubt. He's not far away when you doubt. He is right there with you. C.S. Lewis said this, I think the trouble with me is lack of faith. Often when I pray, I wonder if I am not posting letters to a non-existent address. C.S. Lewis, he had moments where he would pray and feel like, I don't know whether God's there. Moments of doubt, moments of fear, moments of uncertainty. But yet he continued in faith to believe and to pray and to read the word of God and to study and to go on a journey of faith. He discovered Jesus and experienced him. And I think for all of us, we need to understand doubt is going to be part of your faith journey. On this side of eternity, you are living in faith. You're in the faith zone. You might not always understand it. There might be things that happen in your life that you think, I don't understand why it happened that way. Have you ever had moments where you can see a setup for a miracle and that miracle doesn't happen? And you're like, God, you missed an opportunity there. I mean, I had it sorted for you, God. I, I prayed. I talked to the person. I told them there was going to be a miracle that would take place. They weren't a believer and so it would be a great testimony story of them getting saved and then you didn't come through on your end. God, I had it set up. You don't understand, God. And we start trying to play God and we start trying to create things. Can I just say sometimes we're not going to understand. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Scripture reminds us about that. We aren't God. We must remember that. We serve God. That means that we lay down our will and to say, God, you are Lord of my life, means that I submit my will to yours. He's the Lord and Savior of our life. And so we must understand that even when we doubt and fear, God is in those doubts. 
He's there with us. I remember when I was at high school, we did this thing called Exo Day in our high school. And it was, it was such a cool moment. But we, would, we brought in a, a pro skateboarder and we had a band and we had giveaways and prizes in our high school. And, and uh, we, we just wanted to tell people that the message of Jesus, that life is excellent with Jesus. That was the whole thing about what Exo Day was about. And so I, got, I was in charge of doing it at my high school as a teenager. And I got up in front of assembly to tell everybody about Exo Day. And I thought everyone's going to be pumped about it. And so I went, I went, I told them, we're going to have a pro skater, we're going to have this, we're going to have that. And then I thought, triumphant conclusion, and I'll tell them why. And so I, I, I said to him, you know what? We just want you to know that life is excellent with Jesus. And you know what? They all started laughing at me. And, and, and people in my high school were just like, I was, I, I was like, oh, I didn't, that wasn't the reaction I expected. And people were like laughing and pointing and looking to each other. And, and, I, and I walked back to my thing and everyone's like, oh, yeah, life's excellent with Jesus. You know, and they're, they're saying all these things to me. And I, and I sat down in my seat. And then after assembly, we had like recess time. Everyone's like, life's excellent with Jesus, Ben. And they're all saying these things to me. And I'm just like, oh, fantastic. This, this day's going to suck. And I'm like, I'm thinking about all of it that's going on and this doubt filled my mind. And I had all this faith, this big event. We had a Friday set up afterwards that we're going to invite all people to youth. And you know how I felt right then? I felt like I don't want to even go. I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. And you know what? We, we, we went on with it. And in that moment, you know, it was such an incredible day for our school. We had a whole bunch of young people come back to our Friday night program and get saved on that night. And it reminded me, God is with you in those doubts. See, doubt is a part of faith. The faith moment on the other side, we're like, yeah, look at all these people getting saved. You know what was in that journey was doubt. Was thinking this is going to be a failure. But trusting God anyway. Can I remind you, God's presence is with you in your doubts. What are you believing for? God's with you. The second thing is this, Jesus offers his peace to us even in our locked door of doubts. First thing Jesus says is, peace be with you. Your doubt cannot lock God out because he doesn't need a door to reach you. He can get into, into your life. He can get into your situation. He can bring his peace. If we allow ourselves to really look at truth and say, God, are you here in this moment? Even in our doubts, if we cry out and ask God to be there, his peace is in there in that moment, Eugene Peterson, he said this, Belief in God does not exempt us from feelings of abandonment by God. Praising God does not inoculate us from the doubts that we have about God. See, it's part of the journey. I was talking this week to Cooper, and we were just talking about church, and he just dropped this bomb on me as a seven-year-old. He said, Dad, how do you know God's real? And I'm like, I could feel myself starting to like, all right, I've got to think of all the reasons. And, and like all these things I've got to do. And I'm, I'm like, well, I said, well, the Bible tells the story about Jesus and we can see there the accounts that are in the Bible. And he goes, Dad, how do we know that the Bible's real? And I'm like, I didn't expect to be having this conversation with you yet, buddy. You're only seven. Let's go back to playing with the blocks. Or, <laughs> and, and, and he's just, he's just asking these questions genuinely. And I, genuinely, I can honestly say to you, I started to 
to panic. Think about the things I need to say, the things I need to do, the things I need to prove to him, the things I need to, uh, I need to be able to make sure that he understands faith, that he understands. And I think this is good for all of us to understand if you're a parent or if you're somebody that has a friend that is doubting faith, that your, your child at one point will ask you about faith. They're watching how you model faith. Your friend is going to ask you about faith. They're going to have questions. And I think one of the most important things that we don't do in that moment is that we don't panic. Your job is not to be Jesus. Your job is not to make someone believe. Your job is to, just like Jesus did in that moment, bring peace. Bring peace. Deliver the facts. Deliver what you know. And trust God with the rest. Understanding that people are on a journey of faith. They're going to ask questions. Don't panic. Bring peace. See, God's peace is there to open up hearts. God's peace is there in those moments of doubt for you and for those that are going to ask you questions. We need to be prepared this morning that we shouldn't panic. We should just be ready to be able to speak into those situations. Study. Learn some things yourself. Look at the Bible. Understand some things that you can speak in that moment. But don't panic. It's not your job to make them go across the line and be converted. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But don't panic. Be with them. When they've got doubts, still be with them in their doubt. I think what happens in church life, and sometimes we've done this, I'm talking about the greater church, we can make somebody feel shame when they have doubts. And then they start to feel isolated. And then they feel like, I don't belong to this community because I'm not like them. But what they don't realize is that you have doubts too. You have moments where you don't feel like, oh, I don't know where that's going to come through. And those moments, and, and doubt is actually okay. And doubt is a part of your faith story. It's not the end of your faith story. And that's what we need to understand and help people with. Third, thirdly, this morning, Jesus invites us to a deeper inspection of him when we doubt. What did they say here in John chapter 20, verse 27? It says, then Jesus said to Thomas, put your fingers here. And look at my hands. Put your hand into the wounds in my side. Jesus invited him in his doubt to a closer inspection of Jesus. Come and see. Come and look. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got to experience him for yourself. See, when we doubt, it's an invitation to a deeper faith in Jesus. It's an invitation to inspection. It's an invitation to investigation. It's an invitation to go deeper, to study, to learn, to read the Word, to spend time with God, to, to look at things that are going to help build our faith and, and just search for truth. Unfortunately, what happens sometimes is when we doubt, we just shun everything and we go on pause. Doubt is an invitation to draw in closer. It's an invitation to inspect. Your doubts are an invitation to go deeper in your faith. See, like I said before, we often doubt our beliefs, but we don't doubt our doubts. And if we're really looking for truth, we need to do a 360 degree of truth. And actually go to Jesus and say, hey, show me the truth. What are the things that I'm doubting? What are my uh, things that I have a certain filter on? What are the things that, that I need to look at here? What's the Bible say? And we go on this journey of inspection to know Jesus. And you know what? All of us, we're on a different pace with that journey. Some of us have got different things that hold us up. Some of us are really afraid of death. 
And it's worrying and it's concerning. You know what? I think most people have a genuine concern about death. And it, you know why? Because it's like everything that I believed in my life is coming to a triumphant conclusion. Have I got it right? And I think because we haven't done it before, there is always that element of doubt and fear. But it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It just means that you have just like these superstar disciples that most of them died for their faith. And may I just add this, Thomas died by having a stake driven through his stomach because he would not deny his faith in Jesus. So this doubting Thomas that has the reputation of doubt and fear actually had a lot of faith. And he had a lot of really faith-strong moments. But he did have moments of doubt. But I love that Jesus in that moment didn't shun him. He invited, come on, come on the journey and, and, and look. Come on the journey. He invited him, come on the journey and have a deeper inspection of Jesus. Have a look at what it means to follow Jesus. Have a look at the word of God. Look at it. Assess it. Look at the pros and cons. Look at what God's saying. Search for truth. If you seek God, you will find him. If you seek him with your whole heart, it says in Jeremiah. And we need to invite people. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Truth's not intimidated by your search of it. Truth is not getting worried, like, oh, they're investigating me. Truth is truth. And so go on that journey of inspecting it. It's worth inspecting it. It's worth knowing what you believe. You've given your life to it. It's more than a, a Sunday service for an hour and a half. It's your whole understanding of how the world exists. It's your whole understanding of faith and the way you live your life and the way you reach others for Jesus. If if we don't go on that journey to inspecting it for ourselves, there is going to be a real big gaping hole at the end of our life where we feel like, did I just do something out of tradition? Or did I know what I believed for myself? Because that's what Jesus is inviting us to, not a theological, intellectual understanding. Jesus is inviting to us, us to experience him. Thomas, put your hand into my side. Thomas, put your hands into the holes of where I died on the cross for you. Come and experience me. The fourth thing this morning is this. Jesus reminds us that he uses the spiritual currency of faith. It says in John 20, 27, don't be faithless any longer, believe. And Thomas replies by saying, my Lord and my God. He reminds us here that he uses the setting of faith. See, faith is a manual setting that brings peace. Doubt is a default setting that brings fear. If we want to live in faith, then we need to go to the manual setting. See, it's the currency that Jesus uses. It's faith. It's not all the facts first and then believe. Everything is faith in this world of following Jesus. It's a bit like when you've got kids and you go to the shops and you say to yourself, I'm going to, all right, kids, I'm going to be generous today. I'm going to give you $10 to go and buy whatever you want from the shops. Now, every parent knows that's hardly going to buy anything at the shops these days. And so it's probably almost a faith statement from the parent, really. But even more than the faith that the parent has, that child knows. They have even greater faith. 
Because they aren't looking at the price. They're just looking at the best toy. And you told them they could get a toy today. And so they're going to push that boundary. They're going to find the toy for $20, $30, $40. If you're with Amy, it's probably going to be a $100 toy. She, she's, she just loves it. And they're going to go, and they've got the faith to believe that because of those little puppy dog eyes they're going to give you, that you're going to cough up that cash. They're not looking at the $10. They've got faith to believe what could be. And I think what happens for us in our Western world is we look at our, our currencies. Well, look what I've got, my money, my evidence of this, my house, my that. We're looking at the facts of what we have. So much of our world is like, we have, you have trust because of what you've done. Evidence. But the journey of our Christian experience is like, I don't have the evidence, but I'm stepping out in faith. Like Peter, like no one in the history of the world's walked on water before. Jesus said, I could do it, so I'll just give it a crack. Like... That's crazy thinking, right? How many of you have walked on water? No one. And it's probably a big part because we probably haven't tried it. And we'd probably do what Peter did anyway. We'd probably fall anyway because we start thinking about the facts are this ain't going to work. And I think for all of us, we've just got to be thinking about our faith and understanding that it's the currency of heaven. It's different. Our world operates in a completely different way, but Jesus invites us to a journey of faith. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. He said, my Lord, my God, because what happened in that moment is he put his faith in Jesus above his doubts. And finally, this morning, this, number five, Jesus invites us to a lifestyle of belief in him, even though at times we won't understand he says, you believe in me, Thomas, because you've seen me, but blessed are those who without seeing me believe. Jesus calls us blessed. You know, I told you before that most of these disciples died for their faith in Jesus because they refused to deny Jesus. Why would these guys make up a lie and then die for it in front of their family and friends just for dying for protecting a lie? Why would you do that? What's the point of that? Their life was cut so much short. These were young men because they put their faith in Jesus. It's a crazy concept. It's a crazy thought. And I think what it brings us back to is even though they had moments of doubt in their humanity, they still had faith and they understood that it's okay to have doubt at times because doubt is not the end of faith. Doubt is a part of your faith it's a part of your story proverbs 3 verse 5 says trust in the lord the team want to come out with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths be not wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil it will be your healing to your healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones so can i encourage you this morning Let's not be intimidated by our doubts. Let's allow our doubts to draw us to Jesus, to draw us to ins the inspection of Jesus, to understand God's peace is there in our doubts, to understand we don't need to be ashamed, to understand that Jesus' presence is in our doubts, to understand that we're called to live differently in this world and this currency of faith, to understand that sometimes we don't see it, we just have to believe it first. And trust God.
finish with this quote. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. And it's true. They help you to be able to assess and go deeper. They help you to be able to trust and lean into Jesus when you don't understand. And can I just say to all of us, there are going to be moments where we have a crisis of faith and there's doubt and there's fear and there's uncertainty. And can I just encourage you this morning, you're with many other good people that have been there including the disciples that died a martyr's death for their faith and saw many miracles over their life. They had moments in that journey of fear, uncertainty and doubt. We don't have to live there, but it's a part of our story. Let's be people of faith, but let's understand that doubts are actually evidence of your faith and an opportunity for you to go deeper into Jesus. Does that make sense this morning? Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you this morning. If you feel comfortable, why don't you just lift your hands? Surrender to Jesus, my Lord, my God. Lifting our hands is a sign of trust. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, God, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't see you, but I'm reaching out to you. God, I'm I'm lifting my hands to say, God, I, I need you. Lord, this morning, I just thank you as we've discussed kind of a difficult topic, as we've taken the religious outer garment off and we've just gone into our hearts this morning. But we have all had fear. We have all had doubt. We've all had questions. And Lord, this morning, I pray that in those doubts, just like Thomas, we would be reminded this morning that you are with us that your peace is there, that you invite us to come to know you and experience you, God, that you invite us to this life of faith, this adventure of knowing you, that we, we don't see you in the flesh walking around, but we know that you're there. And God, I pray in those moments, fill us with faith and belief. Help us to trust you even when we don't understand because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we thank you for all the stories we're going to hear on the other side in eternity of what you've done. But God, while we're here on earth, help us to remain faithful. Help us to continue to pursue you, to believe, to have faith, to be who you're calling us to be. When our doubts come, help us to be able to address those and let your presence come into those situations so that we don't create locked doors, but we have open conversations with you and with one another. And we explore faith and we grow together. We're not a cult, we're a church. And we can question truth and your truth becomes more illuminated as we do. And help us to look at your truth and let it guide us and lead us in every facet of life, I pray. Fill your people with great faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's worship Jesus.